we are uh, continuing this series called The ABCs of Relationships, and we're talking about how that we can move toward healthy, satisfying relationships. Uh, this is not uh, a self-help study. It's not uh, uh, like uh, even the Christian books that help us understand more about relationships. I encourage you to uh, uh, read those books. Today we're talking about boundaries and there is a book out there called Boundaries that uh, by uh, 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 Henry Cloud. Thank you. Uh, and uh, and uh, encourage you to uh, pick that up. If you haven't read that book, uh, pick that book up uh, and, uh, and also uh, go through the blog this week. Uh, we'll deal a little bit more specifically about uh, with boundaries and how that uh, influences our life and how that these boundaries need to help us uh, experience healthy relationships. But what we're doing is we're looking at how Paul, the apostle, writes to the believers in Ephesus and how he helps them understand God's plan for healthy relationships. And we've looked at uh, uh, our emotions, we've looked at forgiveness, we've looked at love, we've looked at communication. And we began in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 29, let no unwholesome uh, speech or unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is good for necessary edification, that it, that it may impart grace to its hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption, uh, uh, and let all... Uh, uh, bitterness, anger, wrath, uh, clamor, evil speaking, along with all malice, be put away with you. Uh, all of those are dealing with communication and with, uh, with our emotions. And then we saw how that we are to be tenderhearted, uh, compassionate, uh, be kind, tenderhearted, uh, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ also forgave you. Uh, and be imitators of God as dearly loved children and live a life of love just as Christ also loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. So as we looked at those verses, as we considered those verses, we were looking at some of the qualities that God has already immersed us in as followers of Jesus. This whole picture of walking in love, however, introduces the issue of boundaries. Uh, beginning in verse uh, 3 all the way to verse 18, we're going to be looking at the boundaries that God establishes that leads us toward healthy relationships. When I was a young boy, I was walking uh, with my grandfather, granddaddy, who is 93 this year. Uh, we were walking, uh, uh, he would take us on a journey from his house uh, up through the mountains, and as we would uh, walk through the mountains and and uh, he would pinpoint different plants and what those plants were. Or he would say, that noise that you hear in the distance, that's a particular bird uh, or a squirrel or a bear that's rustling around, a turkey that's, that's gobbling. He would call attention to different things. But as we would walk, Granddaddy would uh, say, watch your step. And he wasn't talking specifically about don't don't." tumble and fall. He was saying, watch your step. Be aware. There's a lot of things going around you, going on around you, and I don't want you to miss one point. I don't want you to miss one element of joy. As he would say, watch your step, he was really just calling my attention 
uh, to my surroundings and helping me be aware so that I would glean the most joy possible out of that journey. Well, in many ways, that's what God is doing for us today. If you look down in verses 16 and 17, or 15 and 16, the Apostle Paul writes, he says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. In many ways, what Paul said is exactly what my granddaddy would say to me. Watch your step. He said, walk circumspectly as wise people. Uh, not, not as foolish people. He's, he said only a foolish person would walk through this life unaware of his surroundings. But Paul says walk circumspe- circumspectly as wise. Why? So that we can redeem this moment. So that we not lose one element of joy out of the moments that we have on this journey in our relationships with God and with others. And then he acknowledged that the days are evil, that, that we have a lot of things that are combating for our affection and our attention, things that would lead us headlong into trouble and lead our relationships into devastating results. And so he says, see then that you walk circumspectly as a wise person. Now, as we listen to what Paul is teaching up to that point, we see that he is teaching us about these boundaries that God has established. Now, these are boundaries written in first century language, but apply to us in a 21st century world. As we look at these boundaries, uh, we understand a couple of things. Well, first of all, a boundary is something uh, that is to let the good in and keep the bad out. That's what a boundary does. Uh, If you have a a boundary or a fence around your yard, that is to keep, in my case, to keep Lulu and Lola from wandering around all through the neighborhood. Uh, We have a cat, too. The cat's name is Bella. We don't worry about where the cat goes. It goes wherever the cat wills. That's the way cats are. Uh, But with Lulu and Lola, our two dogs, or our dog and a half, uh, we want to keep them within the framework because we don't want them to get out of those boundaries and find themselves in danger. If at any point in time we leave the gate open, it's on purpose so that they don't come back home. But that, that would be me and not anybody else in my family. But boundaries are to keep the good in and to let the good in and keep the good out. In the same way as Paul is writing, he's telling us that there are boundaries that we need to have as followers of Jesus. And and, and these boundaries lead us to a healthy, satisfying relationship with other people. We look in verse 3, and as we begin in verse 3, Paul writes, But fornication, all uncleanness, covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting among the saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather the giving of thanks. So what Paul does is he begins by telling us how we should keep out the bad. Now there are things in our world that we need to keep out. And and not only that, there are things in relationships that we need to keep out. Not every relationship is fitting for us to invest the whole of our life into. Not every relationship is a relationship that is going to produce 
something God-honoring in us. So what Paul is doing, and, and he begins with uh, these three categories, and I've, I've summarized one of them, and you can guess which one, but I've summarized one of them in a broad category. Uh, that is impurity. Uh, he says you need to make sure that there is no impurity in your life. Uncleanness, moral impurity. Uh, he goes on in verses 4 and 5, and he describes it specifically uh, as uh, something that is idolatrous. Verse 5 and 6, I mean. Uh, it is idolatrous. When we embrace these, uh, this moral impurity, we are saying that there is something in a relationship or something in our world or something in our life that we want to love more than we love God. And Paul says, if we're going to have healthy relationships, the first thing we need to do is we need to keep moral impurity out of our lives. And that's you and me looking at our life. And let me just use the big, uh, broadest picture that Paul uses here. He says uncleanness. There are other descriptions that he uses, and y'all can look those up in the dictionary later. Uh, but uncleanness is a general category that means anything, I mean anything at all, that is disconnected from what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It is anything, and I mean anything at all, that is inconsistent with the character of God. It is anything, and I mean anything at all, that is outside the realm, outside the boundary that Jesus himself kept for his life and for his relationships. You see, Jesus had a passionate love for people. And he encountered people all the time that were captured in impurity and uncleanness. But he was never so tied to that relationship that he would allow their uncleanness, their impurity, to attach itself to him. He was never so influenced by his encounter with the woman at the well of Sychar in John chapter 4, or with uh, Matthew, the tax collector, in Matthew chapter 4, or with Zacchaeus, the rich man, in Luke chapter uh, 19. Jesus was never so attached to those relationships that he would allow himself to go out of bounds in his own life and character. Even though he had a great love for these people, he would never allow their uncleanness, their out of bounds, to influence his out of bounds. Now, I want you to listen. First of all, we need to make sure that we don't have those moral impurities in our own life. And if we do, we need to confess them as sin. Don't rationalize them. Don't think it's okay. Don't make believe that God's not watching. But we need to acknowledge that those uh, activities, those habits, those thoughts, those, those, uh, uh, those words that come out of our mouth, those, those ideas that infiltrate our soul, we need to make sure that, that we understand that's not how God has made us brand new in Christ Jesus. And we need to confess them as sin and regularly, every time they pop up their ugly head in our lives, we need to repent those sin and, and embrace again the forgiveness that God has. By the way, can I just say, and I know I've said this before, let me say it again. Repentance is a restart for us as a follower of Jesus. This is one of the greatest gifts of God's grace for us 
as followers of Christ. All of us need forgiveness, and we need it every day. Because every single one of us are guilty of some sinfulness in our lives every day. And the good news is that God gives us this wonderful restart called repentance, where we uh, acknowledge our sinfulness before a holy God and by His Spirit give ourselves to Him again, saying, I will not walk this path again. It's repentance. And repentance is a great restart. So we need to acknowledge any impurity in our life. Now, guys, I'm an expert at this. I'm not an expert at many things. I told you, I don't know a lot about emotions. And I don't know a lot about, I don't know a lot about uh, uh, a lot of things. I don't know a lot about love or anything like that. But I'm an expert at repentance because I'm well-practiced. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you are not well-practiced in repentance, it's because you are living a delusional, self-righteous life. You are not without sin as though you could ignore it and pretend like it does not exist. But every day, we need to meet each day with a fresh repentance. Throughout the day, we need to meet those, uh, those moments throughout our day with a fresh uh, repentance. Acknowledging our sin, not treating it haphazardly or as if it's no big deal, but actually being broken by our sin. And as we grow in repentance, I don't think our repentance, even as we mature as followers of Jesus, I don't think our repentance slows down. I think it speeds up. I think the more we grow in Christ, the more we see our own wickedness in his sight, where we elevate our own design and desires above God. Now, so the first thing we need to do is we need to take care of those unclean things in us, and we need to do it regularly and ruthlessly. But we also need to keep a boundary around our heart against those in our relationships who practice those things. Go down to verse 7. Do not even be partakers of it with them. You know what that means? Don't share in their journey. Now again, it doesn't mean that we cloister ourselves off away from relationships where those friends that we have or those coworkers that we have, they've embraced a lifestyle that is inconsistent with who God is and what his character is. Many of our friends are far from God. They don't even know him. It doesn't mean we cloister ourselves off, but it means that we are like Jesus and that we might consider them, have a conversation with them. We might even have lunch or dinner with them, but we will not tie our life to them so that we share in their impurity. This is not legalism. This is not a pharisaical kind of lifestyle. This is acknowledging that there needs to be a boundary. And if you're in a relationship that continually leads you into some level, some point of uncleanness, and you're unable, at this point unable, to disconnect yourself from their behavior while maintaining a connection with them in friendship, 
If you can't do that, then you need to stop the friendship. Because the holiness of God is more important than connecting with another person. Okay? And, and, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm really going to hit that hard at a different hour when we have more students in the room there's, there, because, and, and young people in the room. And here's why. Because, because our students are, are absolutely bombarded with relationships where uncleanness is the norm. But let me back up. You are too. I mean, and, and the person that may be leading you down a road to moral impurity may be sitting next to you in the pew today. Shouldn't be that way, but I've seen it happen more often than not. So we need to keep out what is bad. The second thing that Paul use, says is covetousness. Another marker that we need to uh, keep out of our lives is covetousness. Covetousness simply means selfish living. It means where we care more about the stuff we get than anything else. Now, guys, one thing that will kill a good relationship is when one person in that relationship is just selfish, consumed with a passion for self. One thing that kills a church, I want you to hear this, one thing that kills a church quicker than immorality is selfishness, selfishness in the church. Where individuals in the church care more about what's going on for them than anything else. That's a more acceptable sin that we've embraced in the church. But it is just as ugly to the heart of God. And it is out of bounds. We need to acknowledge any selfishness in us. Any of this self-centered living where we embrace what's best for us at the expense of others. Any kind of lifestyle or thought process where we are supremely concerned about me, not God, not others, me. And if that is alive in you and alive in, in, in how you relate to other people, then you need to repent that before holy God as sin. Not just the way you're made, not just the way you want things. That is sin against God. you got to cut it out. But also, we need to understand that if we are in relationships with people who are persistently selfish, covetous, then we are on the losing end of that relationship and we need to establish clear boundaries, clear markers where that person does not influence our being or our living. We need to make sure that selfishness from, uh, with those with whom we have relationship does not infiltrate our soul to lead us down a path of selfishness. What's in it for me? 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 A good test of that is if you've been in this room and you've just been thinking about how everything is affecting you, then you are guilty of covetousness in this room at this time. I mean, this is the place where there should be no covetousness. In fact, uh, some uh, establishments used to have no shirt, no shoes, no service. Well, friends, I got to tell you, people can come in here without a shoe, without shoes, and 
shirt may be a little optional. I'm not sure. Maybe the not right, not uh, maybe uh, the right kind of shirt, but there's absolutely no reason why a covetous person should be allowed to continue in here. Why? Because it robs all of us in corporate worship. And then Paul adds, so covetousness or selfish living. Then Paul adds another boundary marker. He says, he says uh, uh, filthy jesting, coarse talking, uh, that kind of thing. He's, he's talking about people that just talk ugly about others at their expense and tell off-color jokes at all times. And I'm telling you, it's off-color jokes here. I, I know that it becomes just funny and fun but it's out of bounds and so if you're the the initiator of coarse talking or ugly jesting at the expense of another person understand that that is sin and you need to cut that out of your life you need to repent of that as sin but also if you are in a relationship or if person that you know is persistent in that kind of putting others down in order to build themselves up, if that's who they are, if that's what they do consistently, then you need to create a strong boundary so that they do not connect to your heart. As Paul's talking about these boundaries, he said, you've got to keep out what is bad. You, again, look, uh, look uh, in verse 5 and 6. And Paul writes, he says, For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, covetous, man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. He said, this doesn't have any business being part of what God has created. He's saying, if, if you're part of this, then you are living outside the realm of what God has favored and is blessed. If you're a follower of Jesus and you have tied yourself to this kind of behavior, understand that you are outside the boundaries of what God has set. If, if you're far from God, then, then you are way outside the boundaries. And if you are a follower of Jesus and you're connected with someone who is living outside the bounds, you need a boundary to make sure that you keep clean and pure that's what he's talking about in verse 6 he says verse 6 and 7 he said let, let no one deceive you with the with empty words for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience therefore do not be partakers with them he said don't share in it don't be a part of it so if 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 you're um on the on the receiving end uh, or you're, you're in a relationship and, and the person uh, with whom you have a friendship and they're consistently talking down about a person, demeaning another person, if, if they're consistently uh, 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 telling bad jokes all the time and using off-color language all the time, if that's who they are, then you need to set up a boundary. You need to stop texting them. You need to stop relating with them on Facebook. You need to stop talking to them on the phone. You need to distance yourself from them. Why? Because the boundary is essential. You've got to keep out what is bad. You don't want to have a share in this journey with them. Again, it doesn't mean that you cloister yourself off. It doesn't mean that you don't have nice words to say. It doesn't mean that you disconnect altogether unless, unless you haven't grown enough in your faith 
to where you can have some minor connection with a person without being influenced by them. If, if you haven't grown enough in your faith where uh, if you're around somebody and they're talking bad, then you start talking bad and you can't grow out. If you haven't grown out of that, then you need to cut off that relationship altogether. Does that make sense? We have to keep out what is bad. Now, there are certain questions that we need to ask. Uh, there are questions that, that uh, Paul gives us in terms of how to make sure that we're keeping the right boundaries. Uh, these questions we find in, uh, if you begin in verse 7, uh, Paul writes, uh, or verse 8, he says, For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. He said, now this is who you are. Don't let anybody tell you any different. This is who you are. You are a child of light. If indeed Jesus Christ has rescued you from your sin, you are a child of the light. And so walk in the light. Now, walking in the light means that you are immersed in the character of Christ. You are living as that new creature in Christ. You are embracing the, the, the new life and the new way of life that, that Jesus has offered you. You are immersed in the light, but it also means to live in the midst of the life so that, uh, of the light so that you understand how God sees you, who you are. You're a child of the light. So live in the light. He goes on and he says, uh, For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it's, even sh it's shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you, uh, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. I want you to key in on verse 9. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable or pleasing to the Lord. So how do we ask the right questions? What are the right questions we need to ask in setting up boundaries in our relationships? Well, the first question is, is it good? The second, is it righteous? The third, is it true? And the fourth, which really summarizes the other three, does it please God? When we're in a relationship, uh, in our actions, what our actions are doing, the question is, is it good? Is it beneficial? Does it bring blessing to others? Does it bring blessing to me? Is it righteous? Does it conform to the will of God? Does it conform to the character of Jesus Christ? Is it righteous? Is it true? Is it something that is true about me as a follower of Jesus, as a child of the light? Does, is, is, is this behavior, this relationship, is this activity or what this person is saying, does it connect with who I am as a follower of Jesus or is it something other than that? Is it true? Ultimately, finally, we ask, does this please God? And friends, that is, that is the Trump question. Does it please God? Does this please God? Does what this person's saying to me, is that pleasing to God? Is that a reflection of who I am as a follower of Jesus? If not, boundary. 
What I'm about to engage in, does this please God? Does it make God smile? If not, boundary. Does this bless? Is this good? Is this beneficial? Is it a blessing to me? Is it a blessing to others? If not, boundary. Is this righteous? Is this conformed to the character and the will of God? If not, boundary. Guys, we've got to set up these boundaries. This is what Paul's telling us. We need to stop having fellowship with the unfruitful works of the darkness inside of us and outside of us. Let good in, keep out bad. So in your relationships, as you're in a conversation or if you're uh, 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 considering certain decisions in a relationship, or even as somebody is talking to you, somebody using language and talking to you or talking down to you, or you're on the receiving end of a conversation, ask yourself, is this good? If it's not, shut down the conversation. Shut down the activity. Set up a boundary. Is it righteous? Is this something that is pleasing to God? Is this something that is conforming to the character of God? Is this going to lead me on a path where I am righteous before God? Look, if you're in a relationship and you're walking a journey with someone and they're leading you down a path and you're following them and and that path is leading to a place that is not righteous, set up a boundary. Stop the journey. Is it true? Is this true? What they're saying to me about me, is that really true? Is that who I am, or is it something different? How do you know what's true about you? Well, if you're a follower of Jesus, you go to God's Word, and you see what God has to say about you, not what others have to say about you. We need to understand That we're here on this earth not to impress anybody else. We're put on this earth not to make sure other people say good things about us. We're put on this earth to make sure that God is pleased with us. And we're walking in fellowship with Him. The last thing is we need to follow the leadership of the Spirit. And, and this is really where Paul is headed. You know, Paul has been talking about the role of the Holy Spirit from Ephesians 1 all the way uh, through Ephesians 4, now into Ephesians 5. He's talking about the Holy Spirit and our walking with the Spirit. We, we looked at, in verses 15 and 16, he says, uh, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, for the days are evil. Now look at verses 17 and 18. And do not be drunk with wine. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. How do we understand what the will of the Lord is? Well, the Spirit of God leads us. 
And Paul is drawing a comparison between two types of leadership. And, and all of us have played follow the leader, I hope. I hope you've all played follow the leader as a young person. As a child, you played follow the leader. We're going we're to play follow the leader. You got a leader, you follow that leader. And, and, and all of us, as children or as an adult, we play follow the leader. The question is, which leader are we following? And Paul says, hey, listen, don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. He's saying, you, you need to follow the leader that leads you into the will of God. Follow the leader that leads you into a place where you understand what God wants so that you can live in it. And the only leader that will lead you there is the Spirit of God. He said, there's a bad leader, and don't be drunk with wine. He's not, uh, he, he's not picking on alcohol. He's just picking on a, uh, a bad leader. Being drunk with wine is a, is a picture of someone who's been foolish, someone who has uh, chosen a, a bad leader to lead them uh, in relationships and in life. He said, don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but, but uh, excess, but, but be filled with the Spirit. Here's the leader we must follow. It is the Spirit of the living God. Here's the leader that will lead us forward. That's why from the very beginning of this journey, we've said you got to stop, take a breath, and pray. Give the Spirit room in your life to lead. If you're a follower of Jesus, understand the Spirit of God resides within you. You are the temple of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is actively pursuing you so that He might lead you. Uh, in your relationships, in your decisions, setting up boundaries, uh, uh, keeping out what is bad, letting in what is good. The Spirit of God is, is, is active, but you've got to submit yourself to the Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit means that you are immersed in the Spirit so that the Spirit of God leads your steps, leads your mind, leads your thoughts, leads your emotions even. Let the Spirit of God have control over the whole of you. So I'm going to invite you to follow the leader. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ in this room, then the Spirit of God is going to speak to you in a specific way. For some of you, He is going to convict you of your sin. He's going to show you where you've been out of bounds, uh, he's going to show you some aspects of your relationships that have led you out of bounds. The Spirit of God is going to convict you of your sin. And here's my, here's my challenge. Follow the leader. As the Spirit of God convicts you of your sin, then I invite you to repent your sin, acknowledge it before a holy God, and turn away from it. Let the Spirit of God lead you. Let the Spirit of God answer the questions in your life when it comes to your relationships. Is this relationship good? Is it righteous? Is it true? Does it please God? If not, then the Spirit of God will give you an answer to those questions, and He'll show you the relationships that you need to set up a boundary with. Let the Spirit of God have His way with you. 
Some of you have been following the wrong leader. And and today, as the Spirit of God leads you, he He will give you the direction and the instruction and the correction that you need to show you that you've been following the wrong leader. But in these next few moments, I'm just going to invite you to follow the leader, the Spirit of God. If you are here today and you do not, you have not, you don't even understand the Spirit of God being the leader of you, you don't get it, you don't understand, you understand right and wrong, you just don't understand how that God can invade your life and dictate and and direct and and help and, and, and secure and nourish you and your relationships. You don't get that. You don't even understand what it means to have a friendship with God. You understand who God is, you understand who Jesus is, but you are distanced from God by your sin. And you have never embraced Jesus as the only hope that you have for forgiveness in this life and eternity in the next. You're here today and and your sin, you may be a religious person, you may be trying to be a moral person, but the truth is you are just a lost person. And there is within you an emptiness that you cannot shake. There is a yearning inside you that, that you need something more and that something more is God himself. And today, if that's who you are, I invite you to come meet Jesus. The Spirit of God is awakening your heart right now to embrace Jesus as your Savior and your King, not to join a church, not to be more religious, but to have your life transformed by God's grace. Today is your day. Will you follow the leader? So in a moment, I'm going to pray. And at the end of my prayer, there are going to be some ministers up here at the front. And this place up here at the front is is an altar, and it's open for you to come. If you're here today and you have never met Jesus and the Spirit of God is leading you to embrace Jesus as your Savior and your King, you come to one of the ministers up here. And you tell them what God is doing in your life. You're a follower of Jesus, and, and you have... Uh, the Spirit of God is convicting you of, of being out of bounds or, or not setting up appropriate boundaries in your relationships, and they've led you to those places that aren't good, not righteous, not pleasing to the Lord. I invite you to come to this altar and confess them. Maybe you need to cry out for a relationship, asking God to, to repair a relationship because you were on the giving end of things that weren't good or righteous or pleasing. So right now, everybody bow your heads and close your eyes, and we're going to enter in time of prayer. We're going to stop, we're going to take a breath, and we're going to pray. Right now, will you ask the Spirit of God to lead you? Whatever He needs to do in your life, you're ready to say yes. This is the hallmark journey to satisfying relationships beginning with God and then with others. Will you allow the Spirit of God to lead you right now? Oh God, in this moment, all across this room, you're speaking by your Spirit to the hearts of those who have gathered. There are some here today who have yet to experience the new life that you offer through faith in Jesus Christ. And I pray by your Spirit you would lead them to have the courage to stand up where they are and to come down and talk to one of the ministers and say, I need new life through Christ.
Oh God, draw them to yourself in this place at this time. Others in this room, Father, they belong to you. They are your children. The Spirit of God resides within them, but, but they are out of bounds or they're, they're, they've, they've been out of bounds. They have relationships that are out of bounds. So God, I pray that you would lead them. Draw them to yourself. Show them the steps that they need to take. Bring them to this altar to cry out to you on behalf of their relationships. Most of all, God, bring glory to your name by what you do in this place. As we adore you, as we worship you, and as we respond to the leadership of your spirit. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.